up on the Picks and Pants podcast. The band is back together. After talking about Jim Carrey's role as the Grinch, we're taking on another iconic movie property. We are going to the Nagatomi Plaza, where Hans Gruber faces off against John McClane. The 1988 action classic, Die Hard, coming up. This summer, take the ride of your life. Dodge bullets, leap from skyscrapers, and survive 127 blazing minutes of non-stop excitement. Welcome to the party! All in 70mm six-track Dolby stereo that will blow you through the back wall of the theater. Die Hard, rated R. Exclusive engagement begins Friday, July 15th in selected cities. and fans podcast a movie conversation show about bruce willis taking on the elusive alan rickman in john mctiernan's die hard <laughs> uh, we appreciate you all tuning in i'm your host nate adams editor-in-chief of the onlycritic.com as a reminder if you like what you hear each and every week we always appreciate it when you give us a subscription you subscribe not a subscription you're not buying magazines but when you click when you click the subscribe button and you listen to us and you comment and you give us your feedback we really really truly appreciate it um and uh, want to say real quickly thank you for making last week's episode of the picks and pants podcast the best episode yet we had the most listens across all platforms than we've had in our entire tenure i like to think that's the juju that we're cooking up here with the, with this with, the, with these band of critters so without further ado let me introduce them you know him as the man who hates steve mcqueen's lovers rock ladies and gentlemen it's matthew porter that's definitely that's how i that's how i uh introduce myself to people actually yeah i introduce myself as the hater i guess the singular person in the world who hates steve mcqueen's lovers rock hailing all the way from seattle washington ladies and gentlemen give a nice welcome to aaron treadway happy to be here nate happy to be here really excited to get into this great christmas movie die hard and finally hailing from toledo ohio the man who provided his slick beats to that opening riff Give it up, ladies and gentlemen, Corey Wheatonhagen. Nate, Bubby, I'm your white knight, and I'm happy to be here. Gentlemen, let's paint the picture here. Um, box office, Die Hard, $147 million worldwide, which, do you know how much, you know, this is in, you know, 1988 money. Do you guys know what it would, that would be today? No, how what's the adjusted inflation rate? What's that about? Million? I just, I just want to guess. Just take a, just take a guess. One forty-seven million. I just want to know. I want to know the answer. Ooh, price, price is right rules. Ooh, what what did you say, Matthew? Did you guess? I didn't guess, but okay, I'll say one billion. <laughs> oh well. Well, if we're going, I know the hands. I can't compete in this, but Aaron Treadway, you win three hundred twenty-seven million. Actually, adjusted inflation in twenty twenty, which actually thinking about it, that's actually not a lot for this movie, considering its impact and cultural norm, but I guess a lot of films on their initial releases aren't um, that, that successful, maybe not. Um, directed by John McTiernan, its budget, 
25 to 35 million. There's some gray area there about how much, uh, you know, it was made for, you know, give or take. Rotten Tomato score, 94% now. But upon its release, it received actually mixed reviews. That score has actually elevated over the years. Now, Matthew, this was your first viewing of Die Hard. Is that correct to assume? That is my first viewing of Die Hard, the first Die Hard. I had seen other Die Hards. The, the, the very first one. Okay. The and very first time I'd ever seen the first one. Yeah. So what had you seen up until this one? What was your, what was, what had you seen? I'd seen bits and pieces of like Die Hard 2. And I'd Die seen, Harder. Yeah. And then I'd seen the one that came out, like that revived the franchise back in like the, I want to say mid to late 2000s. 2007. Yeah, Live exactly. Through a Die Hard. Yeah. Spawned four sequels. Uh-huh. Um, the fifth one, the most recent one, which I think was 20, yeah, 2013, was A Good Day to Die Hard, which was garbage, absolute trash. And now there's talks yeah. about doing a sixth one. But um, so you don't- The one you, where he flew the, the car up the ramp into the helicopter? I think that was the fourth one, the Live for Your Die Hard, the one that- Fourth you, one? Yeah, yeah. yeah that, which is actually pretty good. Timothy Oliphant is a badass villain. So where, what about you, Corey, uh, Aaron? What's your relationship to Die Hard? What did you grow up with? Did you grow up with it? Were you watching it? Like, where, where are you on this? You know, for me, I can speak for myself. We had it on VHS, and it was, a, it was one of my dad's favorites. It was kind of like every time it was on TV, we just kind of had to watch it. I, uh, I really hadn't seen this movie until college, actually. But no, I, I used to have this book. I still have it. I, just, uh, I don't look at it very often anymore. It's like a thousand and one movies you need to see before you die. And when I still drank, I essentially would like lay on the floor in Matthew's old room in the dorms and watch like three to four movies a day while drinking wine. And this was definitely one of them. And I remember it fondly, you know, what I remember at all. And, you know, once I got sober, I was actually actually able to enjoy it. And especially on this rewatch, it was like visiting an old friend. I had a great time. Yeah, my my this was my first experience completely with Die Hard, and I I actually was very excited. I didn't think I would be because it's not my type of movie. But Nate, uh, this was a good choice. All right, let's uh, well let's well, let's let's get into our our, our initial thoughts here. Uh, some hot takes, if you will. And I'm actually going to be interested to hear what you know Matthew has to say. Being being this is his first time watching it. So that first scene, the the opening scene, I thought to myself, wow, what a what a great opening great opening title card because it's like it, you, you turn it on and it's a throwback and you see the old 20th century Fox logo, which is ironic because now it is owned by Disney. And does that make John McClane a Disney Prince? I don't know. We'll talk about that later, but I see the opening title Oof. card come on. It's like, and it's like, bam, we're in it. We're in it, baby. What are you guys is initial thoughts here? I did have some, I did have some, uh, Hold up, sorry, at the beginning. I mean, I do have some, I do have some hot takes too, Nate. Here's the first of those ahead, hot takes, which is that uh, I audibly gasped when I saw smoking on planes and in airports because <laughs> that's like, to me, one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. Or his gun. Can we talk about how, like, pre-2001, I guess you could just bring firearms onto a plane, and that was cool. No one thought maybe, uh, you know, we could kill an, uh, a pilot with that. Maybe not bring that on like well he's a police officer. i guess we just didn't have so does that make it yeah, okay but, he could show a badge and say i'm a police officer you know i can have a common sense you shouldn't that should be in your luggage it shouldn't be on your person I think air marshals carry firearms on planes still though matthew air marshals are there for that purpose though but this They're is there john mcclain he's a badass bitch he don't john mcclain is an unstable fucking egomaniac <laughs> i just want to say it's it is the 1980s hot take on this it is the 1980s 
And it's very specific that he is a cop from New York City. So the demographic time doesn't work out well for him with, like, yeah. you know, the whole New York City. No, and I agree pre that. Pre-9-11. Pre-9-11 again. Can we talk again. about pre-9-11 terrorists? Nondescript European people? Oh, we're the we're only like, one we'll we still into that. still. Our, we're the only podcast here, folks, that picks and pans with a reoccurring joke about 9-11. So, you know. It's like, what's this going to be like in a pre-9-11? <laughs> That's what I, I actually have that written down three times about like pre-9-11. So I'm glad we brought that back. Yeah. The man who looks at him looks terrified. Like, it's not like, <laughs> like he sees the gun and he has to be like, I'm a cop. Don't worry about it. The guy's still looking at him like, Sure, cop. I was I got a burning question. I, I got a burning question about him later. I do. Yeah. Can we talk? Yeah. It's not a question, but what the fuck was that guy's thing with like rubbing your toes <laughs> on the floor? Like, and then he does it later. Like this. McLean does it later. <laughs> you don't like flying, do you? What gives you that idea? You want to know the secret to surviving air travel? After you get where you're going, take off your shoes and your socks. Then you walk around on the rug barefoot and make fists with your toes. Fists with your toes. <laughs> I know, I know. It sounds crazy. Trust me. I've been doing it for nine years. Yes, sir. Better than a shower and a hot cup of coffee. He's like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, this should, this guy, that's not a, the way that's put in there, that man needs to come back and like reaffirm. He's like, did you do it? Like that, that much. Like at the end. <laughs> <laughs> the cops, the cops are cleaning up. <laughs> John McClane's just hugging his family. He hasn't seen his family in like three years. He's just like, hey man, did you, did you do the thing I taught you? The meditation. Honestly, it's like with the with the moment they gave that, where they were like, let's give a big moment at the start of this movie. This movie has a lot of bits, and I wrote that down. I never noticed how many running jokes and how many running gags that were in this. Anybody else feel that same way? Yeah, I thought there so was much. a lot of great recurring bits. I thought there was a lot of great recurring bits, especially with, like, Sergeant Powell throughout the movie. Sergeant Powell. With, like, Powell's his good. wife being pregnant and that sort of thing, and, like, his arcs that he went through. <laughs> My favorite... I don't even want to say it. I want to keep it for later. I want to save it for later because it's so funny. But I just I, I had lots of lots of bits on there. Corey, you got any thoughts? Like what were your initial takes on this watching it again for the first time in how long? My uh my first thought watching this, I was just like, McTiernan can only be himself. He can only make the type of movie that a John McTiernan makes. And I really appreciated that. Nate, I do have a hot take written down right here. It was one of the first thoughts I had within the first like 10, 15 minutes of this movie. And it was just, so when does he die? And just how hard is it? Oh my God. <laughs> that, that's my more God, like, that's, not a, that's, a, that's a burning question. You know, that's not I guess, I guess, but it was, it was, it was an initial thought. It was my initial thought. Okay. Because you know what? And I'll say, here's what the initial thought was linked to. His, I, I don't like Bruce Willis. I'm sorry. He's so smarmy. And oh, like, yeah. Smarmy. I completely agree. But I think he's I don't, been, I don't I think like him at here. all. I he enjoyed Bruce good. Willis in the early, like, 2000s. But, like, after, like, 2005, oh, were you the big The Kid stand? for me. Were you a big The Kid Stan? Disney's The Kid? <laughs> <laughs> With fucking Spencer Breslin or something? <laughs> I don't know what you're You guys remember about. that movie? You remember that Not movie? Yeah, that's a weird one do we love a mexican stereotype or what <laughs> like oh my word how about every minority in this film it's is like the help what like, was her name like paulina paulina was, and that's my name? next that's my next initial thought terrible parents leaving children alone on christmas eve paulina is raising those kids <laughs> also argyle hey, pa is 
named after a sweater and he's just you know another form of the help and he's he deserved way more time in this movie but he was great okay, though I, I stand for in this guy. movie was great gas 80s. was 74 cents i don't know if you guys noticed that i noticed that at one oh, scene didn't. i was like gas was 74 cents like that just do you guys like the shit with the argyles explaining yeah this limo's got cd tv vhs i was just like oh, that's man. what i mean no, no no that's what i mean the Argyle moment in the beginning, like where he's asking him his entire life story. If someone did that to you now, or even, you know, pre-COVID and pre-9-11, if somebody did that to you, you would be, you would be so suspicious. You're like, what, why are you asking me all these questions? Relax. But when Argyle is very trustworthy though, like I'm sitting there like, all right, this guy's with it. I'm going to chat with him, you know, like, yeah, what's going on? But he's, he's like, he's like a screw. A script writer's wet dream because he's like, let's just set up all the exposition. Hey, what's your deal with your wife, man? Hey, what's going on here, man? <laughs> like, we're going to throw you in the car. We're going to drive to the place. We're going to throw a shot of the Nagatomi Plaza just to set it up. Overrun DMC plus your exposition. We got everything we need. People, I put this down. People are fucking at Nakatomi Plaza's Xmas party. There's cocaine. Oh, yeah. There's fucking <laughs> This movie has tits. There's fucking <laughs> this movie sex. It's a fucking ranger going on at Nakatomi. <laughs> Everyone stop. Stop the presses. Aaron, Aaron quoted, guys, and this is a perfect quote. This movie has tits. <laughs> and it certainly does. If I got an invite, like, do people around, the people that like work at Nakatomi Plaza, are they like, guys, fucking christmas eve party's coming up like let's get fucking right like are they are they pre-gaming in the bathrooms taking shots like all right it's fucking nagatomi plaza it's they have to be i mean who's got the molly who's got the molly oh ellis it's coke it's it's the 80s it's coke yeah wasn't it clive it was like clive you walk in in the first scene it's like clive is just like (laughs) and you're like clive's like oh it's ellis oh ellis ellis alice you missed some we don't know why Kai. It's a Rolex. We've all seen <laughs> Wolf of Wall Street. We all know that it's Quaaludes and Coke. That's what was happening. I just like the the owner of the building, the Mr. Takashi. It's just like, does he just not know this is going on? Like, does he just actually walk in his office? Like, oh, sorry, I didn't know you guys were fucking in here. Let me just scooch out. I, I know so casually that when they're getting raided, everyone's like, oh, wait, there's like people here going to kill us. Oh, shit. We should stop fucking. It's like, oh, oh, is that machine guns? Oh, shit. Um, I, oh, I, wait, no one brought that on their kink list. OK, no one put that on the list. No machine not... guns. All right. <laughs> so I, that scene where the bad guys enter, you know, and, and the, 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 also, why are they going to party on Christmas Eve? Like, do these people not have families? It's just kind of bullshit. Anyway. I just feel bad for these kids. These kids, these kids are like, oh, I hope Santa's coming and bring me presents. Like, actually, your parents are doing fucking drugs and getting laid at fucking. I also want to flag. I also want to flag. Okay, LA, you said it. I'm going to bring it up since I alluded to it. The moment he walks in that party and a guy kisses him and says, like, happy or Merry Christmas, and he goes, fucking California. And he's like, ew. And I'm like, oh, man. He okay, didn't so say John McClane's ew, but yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. California. He he was like that was the subtext, and then he goes upstairs and he's talking to this guy for all of like three minutes, and then he goes, "I didn't know Japanese people celebrated Christmas." And you're like, "This guy's an asshole." Well, he is an like, asshole, and it's Bruce Willis. He's arrogant. That's just who he is. You know what I mean? He really plays the the part well. And then uh, yeah, I don't know. And then as as soon as the uh, 
the break-in happens that you were you were getting to nate i also have written down here the classic we're in moment in every <laughs> fucking movie oh my god yeah we're in <laughs> theo I, uh, says that theo gets to say it, it's it. always the guy in the it's chair right it's like, we're in. um i put imagine being the guy at the party who turns around and sees an elevator full of fucking bad guys. Cause like, there's just this guy just chilling in the corner and all of a sudden just turns around. There's just like henchmen with machine guns. It's like, okay, who ordered the elf elf messages? <laughs> what does it mean? They, all, <laughs> they all come in and you realize, by the way, sexy Snape, I wrote down as soon as he came in. And then they all come in and you realize that in the eighties, uh, you had to either have at least a receding hairline or hair down to your shoulders to be considered an attractive man. <laughs> Is this movie to you guys? This, this I was watching it again this time, and I I thought it's it's is it just me or is this movie very Shakespearean? It's very Shakespearean. I there's like John McCain has all these soliloquies and these very- side, these asides to himself. There's like the dramatic irony. That's very generous. Um, I don't I, know. There's I, I, Nagatomi Plaza. I don't I, know. There's a lot of. There's a lot going on. I, I agree. I agree with you. There, on some sense, Nate, where it's like through this movie, there's something that happens that's a little bit Shakespearean, and the fact that like all the tertiary characters have interesting stories and interesting like arcs as well, especially like Sergeant Powell and like you know like Holly too. Like every character kind of grows. Every character that we get to spend a lot of time with kind of grows as we follow the story. I think that's something that happens in Shakespeare too. It's like they take long journeys and they take personal journeys too. Except for Carl. I look at, I think, and this might be considered technically a burning question, but I think it's not enough of a substance of a question to ask. But truly, why, no, to your point, Nate, on the flip side of it, why are these dumbasses yet? yelling at themselves when they know that there's like an intruder in the building and also they don't want to reveal any of their plan the bad guys that's the thing it's like i think we're cursed in like the present of no of knowing too much about plot and story even as a casual viewer because back in the 80s i feel like maybe the story was a lot more i don't know novel you know whereas now we're like why would you reveal your plan well back then people were indoctrinated with indiana jones sequels and rambo sequels and predator sequels so it's like the the original action picture that broke out and was a huge blockbuster was so few and far between that Die Hard was such a rare exception to the norm and you're right i think that people were just surprised at how and it is captivating aaron you have a good point the characters are very interesting and the performances are where they need to be to elevate this generic action film, which, you know, it is a generic plot. Bad guys take over a plaza and take people hostage. Bad, good guys got to rally around to save them. His wife's – it's all stuff that we, yeah, we have seen countless times. And even in 1988, that wouldn't be a new plot by any means. But it's the way with which it's presented and the way in which the characters around themselves, that to me is what makes it interesting. It's archetypal characters, sure, and I agree with you that it is interesting I, still. I, I would disagree with an archetypal character because I think that Sergeant Powell and John McClane and even Han, they all have different, they all have fleshed out backstories where like it makes them believable. Even Hans, even Hans Gruber. Maybe for the time, maybe for the time. Here's the thing, I love Hans. I'm a Hans stan. I was asking some of you earlier, casually before we got on the podcast, who you thought I, my favorite character in this movie was, and it was in fact Hans. I think about Hans Gruber and um, John McClane's actually the villain, but Either way, I look at. Here's, Is it because here's Hans Gruber wants to take down corporation greed? Is that why? It, it, corporate greed, yeah, that's part of it. But it's also <laughs> because I just uh, you like I, the I bad guys. That, you like Theo. I 
think that John McClane, I love Theo, Theo hacking away. He's just, you know, typing at the computer screen. He's like, oh, I need 20 more minutes. And it's just like, he's doing nothing. Here's a hot take. Did Alan Rickman have in his contract a requirement where he had to be able to walk through a crowd ominously and list off numbers at a slow speaking pace from the word go? Because it reminded me so hard. I know he is, you know, just known as Snape for a lot of us, but at the same time he's going through, he's like, we're looking for a man who was, you know, born in 1968. And he toured across the country in fifty. Well, he just goes on and on and oh, on. Yeah. About well, I think that's. Like, I think that's to numbers. add to his 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 character, right? Because he's like, oh, he's knowledgeable. This guy's not fucking around. He knows what he wants. He knows what he's doing. I love it. Listen, I actually enjoyed it because I think everything he does in this movie is interesting. And however, I'm saying it is. It's an absurd parallel that in so many movies he's always like turn to page 394 and then he's also like 1968 <laughs> and you're like we just want to hear him read classical education also when he's humming in a haunting baritone as he's walking mr T- uh what's his name Takashi. i always forget it Takashi. He's walking Mr. Takashi like to the conference room and he's just like <laughs> I like the whole scene in the elevator I too. Where he, I like that whole scene in the elevator. He's like, nice suit. <laughs> it's just like, he just knows for men's Yes, fashion. yes. And he's like talking about men's fashion. He's all like, yeah, he's just like, I, as much as I love to talk about men's fashion. We that, I can talk industrialization and men's fashion all day, but eventually we're cast to come into the like, Yep. Just, <laughs> yep. Some, some good lines. Like Hans Gruber. I just, love him so much. He's so good. It's so interesting that Bruce Willis in this time, he's not the giant, blown out, muscular Adonis that was so commonplace in a- as a- action heroes in that time. Yeah, he, he wasn't looks a like a pretty normal dude. Yeah, like he's got a pretty average build. Like you see it as soon as he you know, takes his clothes off, like he doesn't have bulging pecs or anything. Like he may have, his arms are a little built, but he kind of just looks like a normal guy. He looks like an aardvark. much different than mine. This was like his first big action film, wasn't it? And he got a big payday yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the things I find him. so believable about it is. <laughs> um, I, I have down here great bad guy names. Like when have we ever had a name? Like the, fucking the NBA, uh, NBA Hall of Fame names here. Carl, Theo, Heimlich. You know what I mean? It's like a time like Hans, Hans, yeah, great, Hans, great Ruba. fucking, great fucking names. Any? Can you name a better? Okay, I like. I remember these names. I don't remember many names of henchmen from other movies because they're just so un. They're just not interesting. <laughs> and they do the look at they do the what we know now as a trope from these types of movies, right? That's what I was trying to reference earlier. Is a lot of them got it from this movie. Yeah. Yeah, they're in the elevator, and that's what I'm saying. So that's why I give it leeway, because they're in the elevator, and he's just like, let's go over the entire evil plan. Your name is Theo. Your name is this. And, like, right above them is John McClane listening to the whole thing, and you're just like, oh, that's perfect that you just laid out everything. Yeah, and he's writing on his arm in a Sharpie. Yeah, and he's just like, so you've you've set him up perfectly. What an alley-oop for you. Hey, guys, do you think if John had not escaped earlier in the movie and they had complied with what they thought to be terrorists, less people would have died. I, I, I completely agree with you, Corey. Like I had, a, I had a similar thing where I was like, okay, John McClane, like the first if time they like, there. kind yeah. of notice him, it's like they make a sound, he makes a sound and then like nobody's there. And then like he comes down and is like, 
I have a machine gun now. I have it written down here. Bruce Willis as John McClane is the human embodiment of the concept of toxic masculinity because he enti- <laughs> the entire movie is just like, I'm going to save this shit. Listen, guys, it's going really bad down there, but I'm your ops team in here. I'm going to take them all down. And you're like, dude, fucking stop. You're getting people killed. I thought Bruce Willis should have just been like, I'm going to try to get down to the you know parking garage so I can just, you know, yeah, I'm going to call our guy with Argyle. Get on the phone. Fuck <laughs> like, okay, let's go. Though. Our connection got cut. I'm just going to go find go Argyle. Let's go back to Argyle, by the way. Argyle's moments in this movie had me laughing to the point of tears when he's like just jamming. He's <laughs> it's jamming just like the, the car. I'm like, I. Just calling up girls. He's I having a grand time. Of Argyle. Argyle is so damn cool. It's because he's getting paid. And so the minutes are probably paid for by the limo company. So he's like, I'm going to call my babes and I'm going to just listen to some music. You know, he's got some good. Taste. Argyle deserves a 25, a 25 K tip at the end of this movie. That's what he deserves. <laughs> oh yeah. He's like, thinking about that when I sign the tip or something, he's like, you're all right, Argyle. You're all right. You know, he's like, yeah, yeah somehow, somehow I just know that he did not, he did not get the tip that he deserved. John McClane's stiff him he did not give him a good tip yeah, he never shows up. mildly racist after he showed up because they've done these commercials recently the <laughs> diehard commercials the battery ones and argyle is actually in those commercials oh my god he didn't show up in the movies though the sequels which is a bummer because he is a great fan favorite character um, he is so great i love i love that carl and theo bet if takashi would know the code for the plaza safe i kind of love that he's like told you and he's just because he doesn't know the code and he just like shoots him yeah. and then carl hands him like a hundred dollar bill <laughs> oh my god the code scene i wrote it down the code scene i think is my favorite when he's just going in with him there's i mean there's so many actually i think when he's like we'll he's like i'm gonna count to three is that is that scene yes when he's when he establishes that like i think it's just the whole scene of him being so calm and he says you know, you can do and you can help me or you can't. It's well, like back I think, and, forth and I'm like, I and you guys can chime in on this, but I think Takashi was dead either way. I don't think he was ever making it out of that alive. He was like the yeah. one person that was dead no matter what. Um, anyway. Well, I think, I think they always planned on killing a large amount of the hostages. I don't, you don't, wait, you believe they were? Aaron, or you didn't? I, yeah, they, I, well, I, I believe they were. I believe they were. Like, they packed that much C4 for a reason. Oh, they were leading them up. He, the whole plan yeah. was to lead them to the roof or, or, like, to blow them up, like, at the They're going to kill too. everybody. Are you sure? Then he got I thought, wait, they only I thought, brought oh, them wait, up there yeah. because, of, uh, because John was fucking everything was up. Was it? No, I mean, no, I love no. this movie, but... No, the C4 like, was always part of the plan. Easily solved. Because wait, they were going to... If the C4... If the C4 wasn't part of the plan, though, how did they expect to unlock the magnetic vault safe? Right, because so they I, needed the FBI to shut down that power from the outside to unlock the se- seventh like seal right on the the vault in the safe. So they needed to get the bonds. They were getting the bonds out of the safe, and that's what Theo was cracking. And then originally, yeah, I don't know if they were gonna were they gonna lead, I don't know if they were gonna lead the people up to the roof. I guess I didn't catch that. But the point is, they were gonna explode the roof, and then everybody would assume that they were dead, like that the bad guys died, Listen. like they fucked up their plan. And then they were, that's what he said. He said, I, and yeah. by the time they figured through the rubble, but we'll they be would on have a beach. To... I hung on every single word that Alan Rickman said. And he said, he made a point to say, like we had planned before, just take them to the roof. He said something along those lines. And, and I heard it some, oh, okay. at some point in the movie. So there was a plan to take them to the roof to like coax the police because they planned to have the police and they planned to, you know, negotiate. Why is it that bad guys are so bad at shooting or aiming anything? Because they're they weren't at first. That first scene, they were great. They're like everybody's dying that we see. 
Everybody is dying. It's only as it goes further in the movie. It's only when they're inside that they're bad at shooting. When it gets tense, Anything, because like, it's outside like, well, maybe it's human, it's human error, right? It's like, oh, I'm just shooting and I don't know what's going on. Could just be for plot convenience. Exactly, it is. Plot That's what I'm saying. Is, is <laughs> not... thing. Can we talk about how later on, like, this? speaking of bits, there's just like a side to like a TV footage, and it's like the news anchor, and she's like, and now we have on Dr. Hasseldorf, <laughs> author of Hostage Terrorist, Terrorist, ha, Terrorist Hostage. Yep. And he like talks about yep. like, by now they could be going through this syndrome where I was just like, what does this have to do with the fucking movie? Yeah, he starts describing, he starts describing Stockholm, Stockholm Syndrome. Syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I just want to say this movie I wrote down is anti-news, and I'm usually against that. But in this movie, I'm cool with it. Yeah, I'm I have, cool with the it. next thing I had was the fucking ethics of KTV news. <laughs> oh my god, Jesus Christ! Yeah, that was messed up. It's like it's like if Fox News and uh, it's every like they predict other... the future. Yeah, Richard Thurnberg. No, I just had a hot take on the fat shaming at the beginning of this movie as well that I just remembered about the the going into the grocery store, buying all those Twinkies, and he's like, my wife's pregnant. And the guy's like, sure. And that guy was fat too, like the guy behind the counter. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Remember when, uh, what's his name? What's his name? Uh, Principal uh, Breakfast Club came in. With real glass. And... When, remember when uh, Paul Gleason? Paul Gleason. Yeah, Paul Gleason. Comes the captain comes in, and this is actually a plot hole to me in in, in in a little bit because he he comes in and he says, and I wrote it down, folks, because it's it's so surreal. He tries to validate every reason not to believe John McClane and not to believe like anything that's happening with his sergeant, and he goes, "It's probably some depressed stockbroker who threw himself off the roof," and he's just like. <laughs> what the fuck how do you is that how like policing went they were just like oh they probably did this all powell like uh all powell does in the movie is just react to whatever the chief says it's just like i believe he's a guy with a badge i don't know just a hunch like i just love powell i love his like he's a guy with a badge i think he's you know powell is great (laughs) powell is great until he isn't we can get to that in a moment but The thing that comes out of left field that I stopped the movie at because I laughed so hard at it. Yeah, Richard R- R- Reginald Reginald is his name. Bell Johnson is the actor. Reginald. Wow, what a Reginald. Reginald. Yeah. Can we also just speaking of cops while we're on this topic? Can we just talk about the fucking they're disregarding? They're like the two special agents are in the fucking helicopter and like yeah we might lose twenty twenty five hostages. All right, I can live with that. <laughs> it's like what? Jeez. There's like thirty. There's like thirty, aren't there? Is yeah, is that how like, things well, went? Yeah, we then? might, we might, we might, uh, we might get some, we might nick some, but you know, if we save the most, that's okay. <laughs> let's let's get into burning questions. Uh, my yes. first one, my first question that I have for all of you guys, and maybe you can answer this. It's like, what is that pregnant mom telling her kid after he's born? You were in my tummy during Hans Gruber's ascent on Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> like, you were part of that, son. <laughs> Oh, I forgot about her. Oh yeah. my goodness. My burning question is like, okay, did they plan to unlock? So I, I wanted to bring up the, the one we talked about earlier. Did they plan to unlock the vault by calling the police? If so, why were they upset with calling with John McClane contacting the police? How are they going to unlock the vault? Wait, you know what I'm that was a plan? They were going to call the police? Why yeah, yeah. Why yeah, the yeah, only yeah. way they were. So, like, the only way they were able to, because, like, uh, what's. Carl, right? The guy who was coding. He was like, I can get all the seals except like the seventh one, the electromagnetic seal. And then like, what ended up happening 
was, you know, basically he, they couldn't do that. I think they were trying to use the password, right, to be able to open up that they were going to get from Mr. Takashi. Yeah, but they couldn't get the Takashi password. 69. So then they had to call the police to cut the electricity from the outside because with lack, without electricity, the electromagnetic seal would break because there's no electricity to hold. So they needed the, the police to cut the power so they could. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense now. And yeah. Yeah. That's, but Aaron, they were only upset because I remember Han saying this is that because it's happening ahead of schedule. Like they needed mm-hmm. it to happen. He was not that upset about it. He's just like, well, it was going to have to happen eventually. We were always going to have to have the cops here for that reason. Like any yeah. fabulous party planner, Hans wanted his party to go to schedule. He didn't like that pin the tail on the you know donkey was happening. He was pissed when he lost those detonators, though. He's like, those are the yeah, that too. He, he had those the were... he had the detonators. That was the ecstasy portion of the night that he was going to have, and yeah, you know it was ruined. But no, I have a question. I have a burning question. Please, um, but coupled with it is the fact that i want to say i love those little venti climby scenes those are my favorite um that's probably one of my other favorite parts of the movie but i also just want to ask if you had claustrophobia how quick did you walk the fuck out of this movie it's intense Speaking of- yeah i Sorry. i don't know i don't i don't know if people left i think that just enhanced their fears of the film but yeah he keeps smoking with a bag full of plastic explosives on his side like for a couple for a while i didn't even realize that you're right it's terrifying all the time. I had tension from that and nobody was paying attention. Yeah. yeah. He references it. He makes a joke about it when he's like doing his little talk with Hans on the, on the walkie talkie, which also I was one of my favorite. You know what? I think anything involving Hans was my favorite, but no, um, <laughs> I, I just had a realization live <laughs> that was in real time. Um, no, but uh, when he's talking to him, he's like, these things are bad for you before he goes in and like takes them from the dead guy. And is going to talk to Hans about like, like, I know your whole plan, buddy. I know everything that you're going to do. And he's just like smoking. Say, I'm like, what are you doing? People are dying. You're responsible for some of this. <laughs> Could have left them yeah, alone. I, I had another burning question. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry Nate. Yeah, my burning question was, af- after that incident, did the kids watch the incident on TV? A. And B, did they need therapy afterwards? Like the children or like... There's bodies falling out of windows. Yeah, yeah, like Bruce Willis is John McClane's children. John McClane's children. How aware were they of the, uh, the situation that was occurring? With well, probably because of Richard Thornburg, they probably fucking knew of everything. Yeah, like, I know. I would like need therapy after that if that happened to my parents. Uh, he was like just telling them, he was just like, burning question. you, you will never therapy? see your parents again. <laughs> like, it's like These kids are probably dramatized. You're right, Jedway. I, considering we know the daughter and the son come back up in later films, seems like they did okay. Is this the first movie with a touchscreen? Did Die Hard predict the future? Oh my God, barf too. It was the worst touchscreen ever. You're watching it. He's like, he's like, nice toy. (laughs) Cute toy. Yeah. You have to take a leak. It'll even help you find your zip. Yeah. What does he say? Yeah. The guy says back to him, like, it'll also like shake your dick or something. Something. He says something like, "Oh really yeah," he said, "It'll like, also wipe your dick for you." Or so, yeah, something, I, something like harsh. You're like, Jesus Christ! This is what I'm talking like, about. Like trusting people are like automatically like, "You're my best friend," who I'll say anything in front of. Like there was, there was no cancel culture. That. Yeah, uh, they say shit all the time. Where like it's just it's the '80s, man. We trust everybody. Give me some of your coke. <laughs> you got you got coke. It's just a, it's a customary. I feel like that was how you actually got into the Nagatomi Plaza Christmas party. It was like it was like a like a thing that you didn't say, but like it was stated like implicitly. It's like you showed up and there's like a bouncer and it's just like giving like a little baggie of coke and it's like he distributes it throughout like the year. You know, it's like the pool. 
Can we talk about the Agent Johnson and Agent Johnson no relation moment? Oh my God. <laughs> that is was that funny. A, that's, is that a burning question or just like, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, can we talk about it? Because it was one of the few times I audibly laughed where I went, they planned that and that was gold. They, yeah, my guess is they started Johnson and Johnson, the company, <laughs> or they died, so I probably not. Well, it's no, one of them's white and one of them's black. And they go, Agent Johnson, Agent Johnson, no, no relation. relation. <laughs> I have that as a nominee for yeah. catchy quotes. So good. I never noticed that before. I never noticed yeah. those bits because it happens later where he goes on the radio and he's like, yeah, this is Agent Johnson. Yeah, no, the other one. <laughs> hey, how you doing, man? I'm Agent Johnson. This is Special Agent Johnson. Oh, how you doing? No relation. Is there more livelier scenery set building than the Nagatomi Plaza? Is there anything more like iconic? Like it's top 10. Like you're talking about locations. It's like Nagatomi Plaza is pretty unanimous. The production value is pretty incredible. And uh, here's a question I have. Here's another question I have, but I think it is also a quote. I'm going to lump them together. Let's just go to it. Um, When the sergeant says out of nowhere, they're just joking and laughing in a quiet moment where John McClane is wrapping up his bloody ass feet. And he goes, Oh, what'd you do? You know, you're a desk jockey now. What's going on? He's like, I shot a kid. <laughs> you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, I actually hold on, hold have on. that, 13 best, year old I have that kid. for best scene. I, I do. I think that, listen, Nate, I, I thought laugh, it was good. I, laughed I thought so it was good. Hard. I laughed so hard. The, no, there was conviction. The writing in that. No, that moment is so unnecessary. We bring it back just no, to have him shoot I, I that. And that's, it's violent. Disagree. Disagree. It's violence that is so like obnoxious and ridiculous and redundant. You're but just like, let's have to kill someone. handles though. it perfectly. He's just like, I'm not saying the actor is like, good. I shot a kid. And then I'm like, it was actually pretty fucking tragic, I thought. I thought it was great. Nate, Nate, the editor, uh, the editor is at fault because no, you're right. The acting of both of them in that moment, as much as I hate to give Bruce Willis anything, is they they validate the script. They they do they do good work. But the editor going, we're laughing, we're joking. There was an action sequence. We stopped for just a second, really quick, and it's going to be nothing. They they paint it like this inconsequential scene where we're just going to see them bond a little bit. That's and the bonding they had to bring it down. With, they had to bring it no, down. They could hit you. No, the bonding Ooh. starts with. I feel like I feel like we got I got to agree with Nate on this one where this is something that the movie does really well in many moments where it takes it down and it's like oh this is where we're going this is like what we're going to talk about we're going to like back to this comedic bit and it's like actually sorry no it's like we're going to slam you with this hard emotional truth this guy is about to tell that's something messed up he did in his life but I think he, I think he redeems himself I think he's supposed to redeem himself by killing a terrorist, which I don't know if that like really plays yeah, it's well political. in 2020. In the movie, and, and, and it gives, like I said, it gives Powell something to relate to. And it's like, wow, this is tragic. And then it's like full circle because his wife is pregnant. So it's like this whole thing. It's like, oh, I took a Ugh. kid, and, you know, and it, I don't know. It, it's I, no, very no. poetic. I like, listen, I like both Corey, of them. I like, Corey, chime I, in on this. Hold on. I like their relationship. Hold on. I actually have to agree with Matthew on this. It is kind of funny. <laughs> uh, like I nowhere. agree that he does, he does put genuine pathos into his acting in the scene. Oh, yeah, pathos. But I agree. It is just a bit silly. Yes. It's not. It's not as serious as they want it to be. We have dark humor, yes, Corey and I. But at the same time, I will say it's the timing, right? When you Nate and you know this better than anyone, the pacing of a, a movie. When you get to a certain point, yeah, that's and why you, I didn't think it ruined it. I thought it was perfect. Minute. I thought it was no. Great. When you're gonna stop for a minute and you're coming from an action and every all this, there's nothing but not ruin. Yeah, I'm saying the levity of it. It made, made it hysterical to me. It didn't, but it didn't land. It didn't land as like the sweetheart for a moment. I went, oh, he killed a fucking kid. It was like. 
I'm laughing because it's like, wow, you share that like just out of nowhere. We're already in the shit. No one would just go. It's, it's a thing yeah, where people want to share. Kill the fucking where people want to share everything with them, you know? Like, you grew close I just to- can't. <laughs> the um, pacing of it was so wrong. I think the setup, because it, it's a setup essentially for his his hero yeah, moment yeah. in the uh-huh. end. I think the hero moment actually works, but the setup doesn't. No, and also well, you gotta I have the, the setup for the payoff, you know. Yes, but the the, the but the way he they set it up, they could have set it up with I didn't not I killed a kid, but like I, I you know uh, I shot a I accidentally shot a fellow uh, police officer. I didn't kill him, but like I hurt him. Something you know what I mean? Something that's less like he's like I killed a fucking kid. So you I wanted, shot you wanted a script change basically. <laughs> I want an adjustment. Th- those are too high of like stakes. He's like, I killed. Maybe a maybe doesn't we make it clear it. if he we'll killed the kid over, over the actor's yeah, mouth. And we just never know. It, we so never the movie know. Sells in the future. Aaron, we never know what happens we'll to sell that it kid. Out. <laughs> that kid might be fucking dead. No, but listen. <laughs> How is the callus on John McClane's feet after this movie? Barefoot the whole time. Is he just fucking like he's gonna wear some New Balance for the rest of his life? Is he like what's the foot doctor saying then? Like the next two days, like he's like the fuck did you do, man? Like it's yeah, I saved. Did you see that? Did you see that Nagatomi Plaza explosion three weeks ago? And he's just like, oh yeah. He's like, yeah, that was me. You know he What's smirks like? his stupid smug ass little John McClane bitch boy smirk and he goes, That was me. I saved all those people. Aren't you guys worried about and John McClane's like, feet? Okay, I was worried about his feet. As somebody who you know, no, I actually it made me cringe hard no, during the movie, I'm not gonna lie. I was rooting for the glass. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Actually, when I w- ran cross country in high school, I would often run oh, you ran cross 5Ks country. when I was training with my shoes off. So, so that didn't read that badly to me, honestly. No, I was rooting for the glass because Hans Gruber deserved to kill him after that beautiful performance within a performance from Alan Rickman when he's like acting. He's like terrible accent and he's going, oh, I got lost. I, I, I don't know where I am. Okay, can we bring and back the name like, Clay? Like the fucking name Clay. Yes. He's like, yes. "What's your name, Clay?" Clay. <laughs> he glances at the he glances at the board. He's like Clay. And it's like I, the thing though is is that at that point, and we know this because of how the scene plays out. It's like McClane knows it's Hans. He knows, and so like the, when he mm. says when he says Clay at that point, it's like they know they know each other knows. The pause, the yeah. pause between him like deciding to be a bystander to be like a, a you know hostage is too long it's such a pregnant pause of him going what do i do he's got a gun he's gonna kill me if he hears Hans although at first voice. it's a good mystery I, I have a fast fact about this if go which one on or i can save it for later one yeah, second let me go pull ahead it. save it throw it out there wait save it save it or throw it out there which one do you want <laughs> both. Said, yeah both do both yeah. <laughs> Apparently, in the original cut of the movie, before they cut out the scene, they had a shot of all the terrorists synchronizing their watches together. So John McClane, and there's a lot of shot of the watches, but all the terrorists are supposed to be wearing the same watch. And John McClane mentions that in like his communications to Sergeant Powell. So that's supposed to be one of the reasons that he's able to identify Clay as Han. Do you smoke? Yeah. Thanks. You don't work for Nakatomi. And if you're not one of them... I'm a cop from New York. 
New York. Yeah. Got invited to the Christmas party by mistake. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. It's better than being caught with your pants down, huh? <laughs> I'm John McClain. You're, uh... Clay. Hans Gruber, best movie villain of all time? Yes. So good. It's his first movie. He was only, he was 41. I can't believe it took him that long. And to it's really an inspiration, movie. too, Wild. because people, they think, well, I'm in, I'm in my 20s, 30s, like, you can't get your start, you can't do it. It's like Alan Rickman, right, was 41, walks on this movie and just becomes a f- global star. Icon, icon, and rightfully so, because no, I think, is it the best movie villain of all time? I it definitely, he's like in, I said, when he's it in comes the to top five, I don't know, I can't think anybody he's I mean, establishing Joker's good, but to, not, yeah. To your point, Nate, about saying there are not archetypes in this movie or something, there's that they've played against things. I would say that he establishes an archetype in this movie where literally he establishes like the foreign adversary, evil like plotting you know villain and i think that that is definitely but he has iconic, morals and he's like very well he's like he's not a unhinged villain he's like very like with it he's like he likes men's fashion he's very like negotiable you know he's like stick to the plan he's never he's never stressed Hans he's only, is, he's only stressed so when he loses those life. detonators i mean that's the only time he sweats a little bit it's yeah. like god those fucking detonators i needed those <laughs> He's also like he seems like he's playing a game too, and like he's he's an extreme planner, and he's also seems like he's like trying to outwit John McClane as like you know the night goes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also he's, I also want to say I you're what I want to make a Yeah, I want to make I want to make a mention of <laughs> one of the best most Alan uh, Rickman impersonating Americans in that scene. <laughs> the, the dramatic, I want to yeah, it was terrible. I want to make Clay. the dramatic uh, reference. Um, of all time I think it was like a notebook level moment when Hans Gruber the camera sweeps in on him dramatically as he realizes that Holly is John's wife and it's not a moment so good it's not it's so good but it's not just him realizing oh like light bulb and what I can do now it's like him realizing that motherfucker has a wife how dare him I'm, I, I thought we were going to race off into the sunset with all of my money after this because I tell you, once again, I also ship Hans and John, but I hate John. So anyway, continue. It, it, yeah, and I love his, like, his next thing. I was like, please to make your acquaintance, Miss McLean. Yeah. It's just so yeah. good. It's so convincing every time he says something diabolical, you know? It's so funny. He, he nails it. He commits. Um. Does nobody in LA hear these raging machine guns on top of the plaza? Because, like, remember, like, he calls the cops and they just don't believe him. But it's just like, dude, there's been gunshots. Like, is nobody driving by being like, oh, that's kind of suspicious? Like, the laziness. The, I know this is Christmas Eve, but the laziness of that the police officer at first going in there and he's like, nah. <laughs> he's like, I'm not going to investigate this. The cops really get like, raked through the mud in this movie i think because it really is the every at every corner you're at every moment you're like this this is so mismanaged <laughs> there's no one does no one like you know uh think in any way does no one process things in any effective way to make a decision but yeah also um john wayne really did a number on hans huh because he brings him up like <laughs> 
three oh, yeah, times. And, Roy, and he's like, and then McClane's like, I'm more Roy Richards, actually, or something. And more Roy, Roy Rogers. Rogers. Roy yeah. Rogers, right. And right. my f- I'm going to bring up, I know, we, I know we're not going to quotes, but I have to fence this quote off for myself because it's my favorite fucking quote, maybe of all time, which is him saying, Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? By the way, to me, more iconic than Yippee-Ki-Yay, motherfucker. More iconic. Well, it's only Yippee-Ki-Yay is only, and that doesn't necessarily be the best for this movie. Yippee-Ki-Yay is just because he says it in every movie when he kills the bad guy, you know. So that's the only reason why. Mm-hmm. But the Mr. Cowboy line is good. That is good, Mr. Cowboy. No, that's good. That's good. Mr. Quote. Cowboy. No, it's so good. To your credit, Matthew, it seems very flirty. It is so flirty. It is so fabulous. He's like, oh, Mr. Cowboy, you're sweaty and dressed up in boots and spurs, and you got that cowboy hat on. You're dripping blood from your feet. That's my king. Ooh. He gets so, so dirty good. in those vents. It is so gross. It's so nasty. It's <laughs> so nasty. Um, like he so, went in there with a white so shirt, so too, we're just, a, like brown one. We're just assuming that L.A. is just okay with the gunshots. Like, oh, we hear it every day. Clearly, yeah. They're like, yeah. oh yeah, gang violence. That's what they do. It's a bunch of white people. There goes the Crips again. <laughs> oh, going, being unaffected by deaths in the, in their community. This pal just like, oh, I better go shoot a kid again. You know, man. <laughs> For real. Oh my god. Listen, yeah, no, really. I had that written down. Oh, Nate, I have a thing written down for that, so I'm gonna I'll save it. But listen, um, another quote, another quote that I have written down that to me is so funny. <laughs> when the when the two Johnsons are in the helicopter and he goes like, just like in Saigon. Oh my god, I, I had like, that. This fucking, this fucking psychopath. He's and like, and then like, he says, I was in junior high. Dick, dickhead, <laughs> dickhead. I was in. It's dickhead. Why would you alert? We kind of talked about this earlier, but why would you alert the bad guys telling them you have a machine gun? Burning question. No, I said, Nate, I said this. I'm so glad you brought this up because it pisses me off so much. All the time, there are moments where they either are yelling to themselves because I guess they don't understand the concept of a building, that they're in a building together and (laughs) everyone can hear things, or, or they just like to talk to each other. They're just telling each other, they're flirting. They're literally just like, "Uh, I got a machine gun. What do you have? And, and it's, it's like, like that scene where, like, McLean's hiding and the guy walks and he's like, I'm not going to hurt you. He cocks the gun, you know? Like, yeah. It, do the people ever think in these fucking movies where they said, I promise, come out. I'm not. Who's been like, all right, I believe him. Let me just step right out here. Where he says, the guy on the table who gets shot in the dick, who he's like, he's just like, you should have done this. And then he, or you shouldn't, you shouldn't have waited. And he shoots Oh, yeah, him as like soon as you have the chance, you should kill somebody. And then. Um, my yeah. next question actually is best kill through a wood table question mark yes and then they say but then they say that nate great point they say that all the time that like you should kill somebody and i'm gonna go back to my plot hole which is then they never take their own advice and there's like 15 times when they're like right next to john mcclain and they're like i'm going to savor this moment and you're like stop true technically if he knew that that was hans in their first meeting he could just pull out his gun bam Movie's over, right? Then we went to have a movie. That's the whole exactly. point. That's right. the whole point. What about you guys? Treadway, Aaron? Treadway, Aaron, Sam, fuck me. Treadway, Aaron? Treadway, Aaron? <laughs> well, I'll see if Treadway's available today. Treadway, yeah. no, hold on, guys. Guys, hold on. We're <laughs> at the DMV. We're at the DMV. Next in line I have here, Treadway, um, Aaron. Treadway, Aaron, please approach the desk. I, I, I had a burning question. This was about Holly, though. Do you think Holly does coke? <laughs> I was just quite a, like he, he's supposed to be leading like Mr. Takashi is right supposed to be leading him into Holly's office and then like what's the guy's name 
Ellis. Ellis. Ellis is there just doing coke, right? But that's Holly's office, right? And then and then no, the like, yeah, 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 you got some. The her supply. How know, how dude. many weeks away with her like marital issues? How many weeks away with John McClane being an asshole was she from fucking Ellis? That's the question I have. Was she even? fucking I Ellis? I don't That's know the if they. I don't think that the, the disdain she has for him. I don't think so. Maybe Takashi. Maybe Takashi. Nate, it would have formed though. Like after <laughs> I'm kidding. Minute, that's not formed. real. I'm not making that. I don't no, know. No, I mean, fucking that's her real boss. Too. She yeah. was real upset when he died. I don't know. I also had another burning question related to Takashi. Like, did Holly get a promotion after the incident? Oh, good question. I think she left. I She's like she... second in charge. You made it pretty clear. I think she left, right? You're leaving. You're not working for oh, anymore. Oh, she... She's Are in you? charge of the business. Exactly. Are you working for know. Marco Tomi Plaza no. anymore? No. No, because she took her fucking name back and she was like, I'm going to be a matronly housewife because that's what society wants. At the She's end, in the like, sequel. Janeiro. She comes back for Die Hard 2, but then they, I think by the third or fourth, they're split up again. But no, the new anchor or whoever it is, they go, Miss Gennaro. And she's like, uh, it's Mrs. McLean. And I'm like, barf. Okay, let's get into some, I know we talked about that, but let's, uh, let's get into some plot holes here. Unless anybody else had any burning questions they wanted answered that we can try and answer. No. So I have one that you just, and you mentioned it just now. You mentioned the scene where he's at the end and they're laughing. And let's talk about the laughing because the laughing to me is a plot <laughs> hole where they laugh for a good, I don't know, 20 minutes. <laughs> and, and during that 20 minute laugh sequence where they pan back and forth five or six times between them laughing, no one shoots anyone. And John McClane has the time to, you know, pull out a weapon and save the fucking day. And I, and I shouldn't say save the day, uh, you know, get set himself up to kill the anti-hero at the end which uh, anti-hero I, come on yes hans gruber is an anti-hero <laughs> and Anthony has a hot I, take. that's a hot take this is just hans gruber's world that's my hot take it. and we're living in it i think yes i think hans gruber was the anti-hero he's overlooked i think it's tragic the way people uh paint him in this i think he killed who he had to kill let's be honest who who wouldn't high five him for fucking killing ellis like that was fantastic got it to say i was i'm with you on that i'm glad ellis is gone oh my god ellis deserved to die like the moment he came on screen good scene that though like, because you, you yeah know, it is a good scene you know he's gonna you know it's such an expert and i know you shat on the editor earlier matthew but that is a good edited sequence because it's like the back and forth where it's like the layers to that sequence to where it's like well there's only one way Alice is getting out of this because we know mclean's not giving himself up hey nate you know hans gruber's gonna shoot him a broken clock is yeah. right twice a day. Okay, <laughs> good point. Um, and and I and I like how he's like that whole scene. And the uh, that's that's a you know that's a that's a good scene for um for that actor. It is a good scene, but and it's great for Alan Rickman. But I think that there's also a to me not plot hole, but there's like this a weakness in the script there where Alice hasn't told him yet about the wife which I think he would have spilled by that, by that point. I'm like, he's dumb enough where John McClane's like trying to suss out what he's revealed to him. And he realizes, oh, okay, you haven't told him I have a f loved ones or a wife here. And he just thinks you're the only friend and the reason I'm here at this party. So yeah, Chris John Ellis McClane, is the actor. Chris Ellis, sorry. Yeah, John McClane is like, I'll, I can like, give him to you or something. What does he say? Yeah, he's like selling him. He's like selling him down the river. He's like, kill this asshole. Like, and it's... I don't know. It's ridiculous. And and I, and Hans is so good about it too because he's just like, oh my god, you were thinking about this really? Like he's so just like this guy's a moron, but I'm gonna play with it. <laughs> uh, what's your wait? Okay, so wait. Someone mentioned a big plot hole earlier that was uh, I thought pretty glaring. 
Um, like someone mentioned it, it or, or like somebody hasn't yeah. mentioned it. No, Corey or Aaron mentioned uh, the pl- Corey was smoking around the plastic explosives. Oh, that's yeah. right. I didn't even think it, yeah, I never that one. That actually, yeah, should have that burned the floor. He was on. Not the, Ar- you know. I have one. Ar- Argyle's not waiting that whole time in the car, is he? Like, is he out there from dust to like not knowing? He's what's partying. Is he well, got cocaine? It, it cuts. Does he it cuts cocaine? to Argyle a whole bunch? No, oh, it does. Maybe, maybe. But once or twice, we see him that one that one moment. When he's like dancing in the car and the and and um, Powell's getting shot and he's like going off and he's just like jamming out. Then he talks to his he talks to a girl. Yeah, he talks to his to girlfriend, girl. telling her telling like his he's like yeah I told my boss I was driving to Las Vegas. Don't worry, I'm coming over. And then later he's watching the TV in the car and it's like Nakatoma Plaza is under attack by terrorists. And then it he looks him, around. That's why Argyle's the coolest. What would it you do if you're the, Argyle and like you see that and you're fucking there and it's like, oh my god, like what the fuck do you do? That he rams somebody in a fucking limo. That's the best thing you could do as Argyle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's he stopped true. the terrorist. Um, he stopped Clay. Argyle's, Otherwise, Clay would have just been out. Okay, I guess my Argyle's point is a goddamn hero. I, I'm missing the point of the question. The, the, the plot hole. The plot hole is is that he waited way longer. Like he said, give me a call. Like how long is he waiting? For, like I'm saying, he shouldn't have been he there past the music. Like he was there for so long. It's like eventually there's he wanted nowadays there's tracking on Uber and like that's not happening today. You know what I mean? I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, in the final scene, the last scene, that gun. How is that gun staying strapped to John McClane's back? His sweaty ass back. <laughs> like, there's no way that's not. Oh what God, if he's God. he's about to shoot him? He goes. What if it just falls off? It's like oh, I know we, were, we were supposed to. See what if it stays? What if it stays? Stood stuck and it was just like shoots himself. I still like the camera pans down and I'm like, "There's no way that that sticks to his back." Have you ever tried to tape something to your body? Does not work like that. What have you been doing, Nate? The laughter, (laughs) the laughter in this. You also need to be predominantly hairless for that not to really win. But um, no, the laughter scene is ridiculous. It's a huge pothole to me, but also. The entirety of this movie and, and the building, I said it before, I'll say it again. This building is fucking indestructible. Apparently, Nagatoi it's made out Plaza. of plutonium. It's made out of, like, yeah, Nagatoi, Nagatoi It's made out of the it's shit made that out of, chronic characters needed in Tenet to, like, turn back it's, down. Yeah, it's, it's a building it's ma- in California taller than three stories. Aaron, did you Those get things that? Those be able to withstand earthquakes. This film makes total sense to me. No, it doesn't. Listen, it does not because these are It's huge vibranium. They took it from Wakanda. <laughs> it is vibranium. <laughs> um, listen, I was about to say, I'm so glad you said that because I was looking for the word. Um, no, uh, it, it doesn't make sense. That was probably the kid, it, probably the kid Powell shot. It was probably, it was probably Young Black Panther. Panther. Did you see the amount of C4 that went off twice in that fucking building? Like, no. And it was also, it should have leveled the floor. And if it leveled the floor, it wouldn't just be like, topple down. Like I, I a that, yeah. or some shit. The scene where McLean jumps off the, the, the roof during the explosion, like he'd be dead, right? Like there's no oh, way yeah. he survives that. Oh, absolutely. Oh, with the fire hose? Sure. Yeah, he would have like broken his back and there's like. And look at like I the, the explosion to... would have propelled him realistically it would have like threw oh, yeah. him across the fucking like there's some he would have landed on Powell's cop car. It would have been like, some... oh, I, mean... I hope that's not a hostage. 
It might have given him some lift, had that though, for quote, so he could come back it. down. There's some betrayals <laughs> against, uh, you know, the rules of the laws of gravity in this movie. But at the same time, I guess you have to suspend your disbelief at some point. But some of them, I think, yeah, are Yeah, obviously, like, we're just entertaining all these. We know these aren't factually no, like, oh, no, no, no. wow. No, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's you just have funny to, to point out. Yeah. I guess. No, no, but at the same time, there are things I think are real in this movie, like, that are where you go okay come on where it's just the dramatic effect is like weighing a little too long and that's including why weaknesses, i think my next plot hole which is there's no way carl can survive and come back for oh, that, one that was my next the... one you bastard <laughs> sorry but you know what it's i mean okay it's okay there's no way that he gets hung like that he's there for how long like did carl like get, go through vigorous like when he was like growing up, was like Hans just like putting him in chokeholds and just like actually getting aroused from it too, and but secretly like, <laughs> actually, you know. When traditionally people were hung, you when you hang people, their neck snaps on the way down. If you hang somebody just by trying to choke them or the airway, it takes several hours for them to die. What have you been doing, Treadway? I don't. Yeah, I really don't like that you know that. <laughs> That's a fast I mean, fact. If I ever that. heard one. That's a fast fact. It's medieval. Uh, Fastest like, fucking fact history. But how does he get? Down? Did he pull himself up? Like that's, that's what I'm saying. Fact. How does he I, I think he just wiggles. He got to wiggle all the way back to where he <laughs> I want to see the security <laughs> footage of Nakamura's over. Then he falls down to the ground. That's why he's limping some more when he comes out. <laughs> Is he just hanging there like conscious? And all these people running saying, by, Nate. screaming, being like, ah! And then as soon as, like, they're all gone, he's like, all right, I can wiggle down now. Time to get down to the ground before John McClane. Starts. I have a callback for you, uh, Nate, about the, the, the comments you were making, the, the fact that back to when we were discussing the, the, when they have that little heart-to-heart with Powell, and he's talking about, I killed the fucking kid. <laughs> and you're like, oof. And then they connected, of course, here at the end when he shoots um, the guy at the end. And here's the only way that would have worked for me if they went full cheese ball with it. And after he shot him and they pan up to his fucking face, like we didn't know who's holding the gun. Like it's a big reveal. And they, and he should have said, tell little Johnny, he has a new friend in hell. <laughs> that would have been the only way I would lines. have committed. All right. Let's, uh, let's one on our best scene. I like the backstory. I like Powell's scene when he's talking about shooting the kid. I think it's good acting. I think it's a good scene. <laughs> and I'm not just bringing that up for the sake of the joke. I think it's good. But but my favorite, I think my favorite scene is when um, um, Hans and McLean meet in, with the clay. That's my favorite scene. What about you guys? I love it at the end when uh, John and Al – Without having to say who each other is, it's like they hug each other, and it's the first time they meet. It's the first two times the actors met, and it's so clear like they made this bond over this movie, and they're just happy that this this whole thing is over. And then right as that's happening, Carl comes out of nowhere looking like a goddamn zombie with a gun, and Al saves them. Carl I think that played that much great. better. He could have definitely said, dropped the drop on them a little bit. I said out loud, Corey, during that moment that you love so much when they when they had their little their heart to heart. I said out loud, kiss. <laughs> what about you, Treadway? I'm What's really your best scene? It. Best scene, Treadway? Uh, I guess one of my favorite scenes that I wanted to mention was the RV scene where they where the the um, police are sending in the RV and like that sequence before 
with the this is I think this deserves an honorable mention. I don't know if it's the best scene of the the film, but the candy terrorist scene where he goes to the candy drawer. He's standing over the candy drawer. He looks for the piece of the candy. He starts taking it, <laughs> eating it. And I thought that was just like it's it's such a good scene and such gives such like a good like like. <laughs> tone for the film because like it cuts later to he's still eating the candy and like he is about to like come in and smash through the thing and like this is like just a quintessential like like huge action sequence of this film and it just like sums up like what the movie is about to be which is comedy and explosion Aaron, I yeah. thought of you i thought of you when he did that because he, he took that as a treadway take where he goes he looks to the left he looks to the right and then he takes a fucking candy bar. I was like, that is Aaron I just loved it. in any comedic scene ever. It's the moment of like, it's the bit. And there's a lot of bits in this movie and it's good stuff. Like action movies that can find that balance of like running gags. It's just like actually funny. I think Matthew, you like this more than you thought you did. I think you, you're not, you were kind of like, eh, but now that we're talking they, about it, you sound like you like it. Uh, no, listen, there were a lot of, I mean, I know I never said I didn't, I said, I don't like fucking the hardest part of the movie is that Bruce Willis is yeah, the Bruce Willis isn't the most likable guy, but you have to say, and, and so because he's, belief. I just have the, the great, thankfully I have the ability to create my own narrative. And my narrative is that the story was about Hans. Did you say your best scene? I, was I don't feeling, think you did. I didn't know. My best scene would be in that, in that same, uh, you know, feeling and in the, in the, at the heart of what I just said, anything with Hans. I really can't pick. There were so many good Hans scenes. And I think I, I agree with you, Nate, almost like that. It was the clay scene it was hysterical, but also so tense. And so, uh, you know, it's like that. It's like that scene. It's a Western because there's like, he's like Roy Rogers and then he's the John Wayne. They're, they're this, it's like that standoff, the Mexican standoff. Yeah. They use the metaphor all the time. They use the metaphor all the time, but no, I, so anything, anything with Hanzo, when he's setting up anything where he's like the, he's telling everyone, if you don't want to die, like Mr. Takashi, if you don't want to do this, all these little monologues he has, I'm like, brilliant. So brilliant. Um, all right, let's move on to some catchy quotes. Um, we, we mentioned the, the cute toy earlier when McLean is checking in with um, the I, although I think the one you said earlier Matthew the one he follows up with I should look that up with that guy says yeah I'll wipe your dick for you or something <laughs> like some bullshit yeah whatever he says to him he says like it'll shake your dick for you it's so fucked up like the people are reckless in this movie in the 80s he probably just did some coke or he got some bad coke <laughs> this all reverts to coke yeah. I'll go scope. he's pissed um, they're how all about, pissed off how about when Ellis says it's a Rolex it's just like he's like Ugh. show he's like show Ugh. he's like show him that show him. Yeah. I have a quote. I have a quote for you. I have a quote for you that's about uh, that's Ellis as well. Uh, hey babe, I negotiate million dollar deals for breakfast, so this dealing with this euro trash shouldn't be a big deal. Um, fuck him. He set himself up to be like everyone to cheer in the audience when he died because oh. <laughs> I bet um, they didn't. I like. Um... He's talking on the radio. She's like, sir, this line is for emergencies only. No fucking shit, lady. Does it sound like I'm ordering a pizza? <laughs> Doesn't he swear? Doesn't he say fucking pizza? Yeah, I have that. Yeah, He's he like, does. No, oh, no, no fucking shit, lady. Does it sound like no a Yeah, shit. yeah. Fucking pizza. I have, what about I have you? an insensitive one. Let's I'm let, sorry. Yeah, I know. I do. I have yeah. one. I have, I have one I want to share, but go ahead. You guys have something? Yeah, yeah. I, one, one of my favorite quotes was Sergeant Powell. He was like, I'm in knock. Nakamoto Plaza. They're turning my car into Swiss cheese. I need assistance now. God damn it, now. Oh, yeah. Why did he I make it Swiss, Swiss cheese? Why did he compare it to Swiss cheese? Like, everything was related to food. Holes. Like, the start yeah. of the movie. Yeah. 
for him. Swiss cheese is, is like holes. Like when they do anything in, in any mafia movie too, it's like when you shoot something, you know, Swiss cheese has holes in it. So they have holes in them. Fair guns, point. Yeah. Fair yeah. Point. And then John leans out the window and he's just like, welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> he's such a fucking dick. That's part of my other, that's my it's other comment. It's a good line. He's such an, he's such an asshole. There's Here's so my other quotes. Example. He says, who's driving this car? Stevie Wonder? <laughs> like, <laughs> fucking asshole. <laughs> like, what about, the, what about the terrorist that, oh, God. What about the terrorist that says, you're, you're a policeman. There are rules for policemen. And then John McClane goes, that's what my captain keeps telling me. Oh, well, that's a good line, too. That's such a good line. Cheesy as fuck. I know, so here's I my, know. Here's my thing, Nate. What, to your point where you're talking about bits, uh, here's where I, I agree and I disagree. They have to try so many out because I feel like so many miss, and then the few that hit, hit hard. I love during the Carl John fight scene. He's talking shit. Should have heard your brother squeal when I broke his fucking neck. <laughs> no, no, I have that written down. Corey, I'm glad you brought that up. That's so I'm good. Glad that, up. that was no, a great John McClane impersonation. No, he's a, yeah, he's and when a they're puppy. going up the stairs, he's like, "I'm gonna kill you. I'll cut you up. I'll fry you. And I'll eat you." No, he's a yeah. Why do you say that when you're psychopath. in battle and you're in combat? He's a fucking he hangs psych- him too. It's not very threatening. He's a fucking psychopath, okay? Because I have that written down to Corey as the opposite. When he says, "I should, you should have heard your brother squeal when I broke his fucking neck. I'm like, okay, John McClane is the villain of this movie. Come on, <laughs> it is vile. He's killing the bad guys, though. He's killing the bad guys. I almost did a oh, spit take when he said that. No, bad, good guys don't say that shit, <laughs> I didn't shit, even think though. of the, I didn't even have that down on Matt. You should have heard when I broke his fucking neck. It's disturbing as fuck. It's so he keeps good. going. Corey's right. So he keeps going like, I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna fucking eat you. I'm gonna fucking. It's like you're insane. He's dude. a maniac in that. It is disturbing. That should have been best scene. What are you guys doing? This makes sense now. I'm gonna make an amendment. No. Last. It's uh, no, no, fucking no. terrible. Um, I All of his good... fights are like knockdown, drag, drag out, scuffling <laughs> fights. Like he is I'm, no. I have a good Hans yeah. quote, and and Matthew's pretty gonna lie. It's so funny. After he kills Takashi, he comes in and he's like, and uh, Takashi, oh, he won't be joining us for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. So good. So he's fucking just good. Like, so stupid. Deadpan. Just, and like, it's so elegant how he does it. And it's just like, it paints the picture. It's like, oh, I killed him. But I'm not saying I killed him. I'm saying it indiscreetly with like fucking wittiness. He's like, yeah, well, he won't be joining us for the rest of his life. And I'm like, this is such a good line. And here's, then I also like um, here's, when McLean's in the vent, the ghost, we'll have a few drinks, get a good laugh, all that, all that stuff's really, really good. Aaron, you got one? Yeah, I, one of my favorite Break quotes um, was, I, was actually McLean. It was like, <laughs> I promise I will never even think about going up in a tall building again. Oh, God, please don't let me die when he's about to jump off with a fire hose. I, I love that one. I'm so scared of heights, so I like related. Oh, I know you are. I've really <laughs> seen. <laughs> he there, here's here's one of my other ones, my other favorite ones. Um, it's not even something technically. It's technically Hans Gruber quoting John McClane, but he says, but the way he delivers it, he says, "Now I have a machine gun." Ho, 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 <laughs> and it's the pauses he Good takes impression. when he goes ho, ho. <laughs> 
home and you go, an icon is born. An icon, a legend is born. That's so funny. He like reads it back in slow motion. Not I. Yeah. And he like, he leans in like he needs his reading glasses. Hans Gruber is like, oh, I didn't bring them. It's just like, I think he's just so not amused. It's like, well, what is he going to do? You know? Um, we talked about yeah, a yippee ki motherfucker. Obviously, that just goes without saying. Um, I like the oh, part. Oh, wait, I found it. Hold on. I'm sorry. I found the Theo quote, by the way, that is an example of a corny ass joke. It's the quote where he says they, they blow up the, the ram, the battering ram that's coming towards the building with the cops. And Theo goes, "Woo! oh, my God, the quarterback is toast. And I was like, <laughs> barf. I'm throwing up. He also has a good line when uh, Hans asks him, he's like, uh, well, can you do it? He's like, well, you didn't bring me along for my charming personality. <laughs> yep yep <laughs> just like even like the sides with the fucking villains like they all have good fucking it's just good shit um, that one's good they like sound I said, like a like, bickering couple right there no it's truly just like they have and repertoire like, they have like you believe to... they know each other like you believe that they've been doing yeah this for a minute. they plan this they where's the prequel no, i, I want to see hans it. making this plan is he like and theo will enter from the front <laughs> and he will well sadly r.i.p alan rickman r.i.p alan rickman but um because there should be you're right there should be a prequel however i think that like i just said i agree with you that there are some there are some like golden ones but they're for for every golden one there's that's fucked up that's so fucked (laughs) i'm mad i didn't even like think about that that. i'm gonna go back and watch that scene after this i'm just gonna keep bringing it up it's just so true it's you're gonna go like wow this guy's a fucking psychopath He's insane. Anyway, uh, oh, no. we already talked about I'm Johnson and this is Special Agent Johnson. No relation. That's just a good, <laughs> no relation. Good line. Great, great fucking line. How about I could talk FBI. industrialization and men's fashion all day. <laughs> yeah, but sooner or later, the cheesy we'll Nate, the cheesy ass, the cheesy ass thing with the the FBI uh, agents too when they go. When he goes, uh, I'm the whatever his name is, Professor uh, Breakfast Club is what I call him. <laughs> um, when he <laughs> oh, when he comes. Yes, when he comes in and he goes, oh, I'm in charge of this scene. And he's, they're like, not anymore, you're not. And you're like, oh my God. Also, Powell like, giving uh, some shit when, back uh, to his, his, yeah. uh, his superior. I love that. He's just like, yeah, well, I don't know. They just bicker, yeah. Everyone bickers. Sorry, Corey, go ahead. It's okay. Uh, I love, you know, just an, a, kind of a cheesy line in itself. When he finally shoots Hans, but doesn't realize he still, you know, has Holly in tow, and he's just like, "Happy trails, Hans." He doesn't remember a lot of times when things are in tow, like when he wraps the fucking hose around himself and he like starts falling back down. I was like, "You're a dipshit." When he like <laughs> lies through fucking the moron. <laughs> yeah, he's a dickhead and a dipshit because he's like, "Oh, I just came through. I jumped, but you know, broke through some more fucking glass. I have multiple fucking contusions and scars that are here now." Are By we- the way, another another plot. Another plot hole I was going to say was that he would be, not only would he be as bloody and dirty as he'd be even more so, but he would be unrecognizable after that. He would be like covered in scars and blood with the amount of glass that he went through. But yeah, Treadway. You got another Well, I have have a little interaction that I really liked. It was was the Sergeant Powell and um, Dwayne Robinson. It was like, in fact, I think he's a cop. Maybe not LAPD, but he certainly has a badge. How do you know that? A hunch things he said like being able to spot a phony id jesus christ pal he could be a fucking bartender for all we know (laughs) like i said paul gleason is so fucking pissed off everyone's so pissed it's like like someone could like it could be christmas morning and they could get him a present that he actually wants like i got me a fucking keurig didn't know you got me this 
it's bad yeah, for the environment. <laughs> he's so, so much good pissed. banter. No, that no, that's and, good. and and I like the that bed leads at the into end. the stockbroker line. When when the when Hans group is falling and Corey Mendes is right and it's just like the brief pause <laughs> he's just like I hope that's that I hostage. hope that's not a hostage <laughs> I never noticed that did you ever know. notice that before I, I never know. noticed that before this movie because I'm you're so engrossed and the Hans group are dead but the pause is like oh, I hope that's not a hostage <laughs> so it's like Paul can we speak to that by the way. If we didn't think he was a queer icon before, the moment that the, the moment they give him and the like look he has on his face and like the drama. It's oh, a great of it. death, great death scene. Oh, I had that goodness. nominee for best scene as well. That was a great scene when Hans falls to his death. I love it when Holly is in the vault with Hans and she's like, You did all this for me? Like, you're just a common thief. And he gets so offended. He gets right up in her face and he's like, I'm an exceptional thief exceptional thief mrs mclean and since i'm moving up to kidnapping you should be more polite oh that was oh that was another moment i had written down Corey. that's brilliant because was my i love that was like he's so jealous of mrs mclean janeiro <laughs> because she gets to fuck john and he's like damn it listen to me you little bitch i haven't killed you yet because i need him to come to me <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about paul gleason um can we can we talk about how after the Johnson's helicopter blows up and there's just another moment where Paul Gleason just gets to say, oh, we're going to need some more FBI guys, I guess. He says that. He says. Oh, my God. I just like, he gets Paul so Gleason. many of these little moments. How did he get to his position? I don't know. He yelled. No, he's such a <laughs> Seems like a fool. A, he he's yelled like, his way into it. Yeah. Um, and then I also want to throw in a, a Richard Th- Thornburg quote when he's like trying to get the story for the, the many subplots that are going on. He's trying to like get the van going and the news anchors come and he's like, eat it, Harvey. <laughs> he says, eat it, Harvey, the anchor. Oh and he just like resides back. Harvey just fucking takes it. How about how shameless the news anchors are every time they go, did you get that? And it's like every single time that recurring little bit. Oh, and then and then the doctor corrects the anchor on air. He like corrects him. Yeah. And he looks. Yeah. Like he and he's pissed. And he's like so pissed because he can't do it. He anything. looks like he just smelled shit. He's like he looks like he's like smelling shit in the in the like, fucking studio. If memes and social media were around, like that, that's the kind of clip that would go viral. It's like look at this fucking buffoon. He's so pissed. Look at Thornbridge. Like, yeah. Eat it, Harvey. Uh, the fucking doctor actually is him. He like mansplains to the news anchor. He's like, actually. And he's just like, fucking bitch. But like every time there's something that happens, the news anchors are like, did you get that? Even though people are dying. And then especially like at the end when she punches him in the face and he's like, well, did you get that? Did you, uh, I, we didn't mention this earlier, but I, I, it's, it, it's kind of a catchy quote, but it's also like a, a very funny scene. The scene where Carl, like, was like, we have to tell Carl that his brother is dead. <laughs> and, then, and then, like, it cuts to Carl. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and, then, when, and then it cuts. Rickman delivers that. He's, like, so concerned about it, too. It's, like, almost, I want to see the rest of that scene where he goes, someone's got to tell Carl that his brother is dead. Like he's, <laughs> he's, just, he's, like, like stressing. going to do it? He draws straws. I'm he's like, like, I'm like you do it. Um, and then it everyone, like cuts everyone, it like out. cuts Behemoth. five minutes so later pitted. and Carl's just fucking tipping over a table he's like ah I want blood and he's like and you'll have it like he's like yelling at him he's like and was you'll that have guy, it was that guy was that guy did he go on to be a professional wrestler like what the fuck was he doing in this movie I'll no. go to Google luscious blonde hair very dull blonde gray. like I said there was two types in the 80s it was receding hairline or too much hair Luscious, luscious hair. Listen, 
Quickly, best performance. Um, I think this is unanimous. I don't think Alan it's, it's Alan Rickman, right? I could almost make I could almost make a case for Reginald as Powell or, or Paul Gleason, but it's Alan Rickman, right? There's no. Yeah. He, won, yeah, he wins no, the movie. Paul Gleason, both, question about, I'll, I'll agree with you, but I think Sergeant Powell definitely deserves an honorable match. Because Paul, Gle- like, yeah, Paul Gleason and Reginald and Powell, they all commit, and that's important. I think. I agree with you. He what? deserves he deserves an honorable mention for killing that fucking child. <laughs> that's what he deserves. Okay, I'm gonna um, introduce some. Um, so uh, that's next thing. Um, my new award. Are you guys ready for the new award? That's gonna be now oh. part of the. Are you guys ready for the new award? What's this? What's this? All right, you guys ready? The new award is the Douchebag Ellis Award for biggest douchebag. Yes. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. And the nominees are Ellis. <laughs> Uh, um, Rich, there's actually a couple. There's a couple we can nominate here. Not just pick his douchebag, but Ellis is you know up there because it's named after him. You might as well you know it's the inaugural award. He's the namesake. Um, the namesake. Richard Thornburg, the the guy who fucking goes in. It's like, well, I'm gonna call INS and you're you gotta get deported. You can only talk to these kids. It's like, God, oh, it's a oh, douchebag. Yep. Um, I nominate Gle- the Johnsons. Paul Gleason's Dwayne Robinson, the chief, and Carl, <laughs> who's the biggest douchebag. You mean wait? Do you mean Professor Breakfast Club? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Or is it the fucking doctor who's on the name? Is it Doctor Heiseldorf? I don't fucking know. I mean, he's just pretentious. He's not a real. I feel like we have to give it to Ellis, right? Because it's the inaugural one. But here's the thing, and I'll make the case to maybe why it shouldn't be Ellis. Is because even though he's a dick bag, and we know that, that's why the award is named after him. But he 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 goes in and negotiate with Hans because he I know he's thinking about himself, but there's a sliver, there's like one percent there that he's actually maybe okay, maybe I actually will get people out of here alive. And that's more than what fucking Richard Thornburg does. Richard Thornburg's I, only yeah. you know. I don't yeah, think he also so. doesn't give up Holly too. He doesn't mention Holly, even though he probably knows that's something that the terrorists I'm not saying that Ellis isn't a douchebag. Ellis is a douchebag and he deserved to die. But I'm saying, was he the biggest douchebag of the movie? Boys, he's too stupid to remember to mention Holly. That's what I think. And I also think that he's too stupid to, like, even, uh, you know, to to be thinking of anyone but himself in that scenario when he's trying to – he's not saving human life. I will say to you, though, Nate, he's the only one that dies. So maybe sympathy, like, respect for the dead. Because the rest of them, we we think all these – you know, all these pricks might still be living. So – I ate guys like these for breakfast. What does he say? He says, I can handle this. Oh, my God. Fashion. The line is so disgusting. <laughs> it's like, uh, I, like, I like when he like sits down. It's like, yeah, I can give them to you. He like says it like he's like sitting down, he, slunching. You know? Yeah. He says it like a joke. He's like, hey, babe, I negotiate million-dollar deals for breakfast. And you're like, oh, my word. You are. So are we giving it? Are we not giving it to Ellis then? Like, is this going to be like history? Like the inaugural award named after him, but he's not going to get it. Are we giving it to somebody else? Or we, should we just give it to Ellis? Uh, he shouldn't I'd get give it to award. Ellis. He's outwardly xenophobic in his, uh, <laughs> in his, yeah. his arguments with Hans. All right. The douchebag yeah, Ellis, Ellis award. You heard it here, folks. Gabble. Uh, <laughs> go see Ellis. Anna, ma- your honor, may I pro- approach the bench? And um, honorable mention, uh, I, I think Richard Thornburg. I think Dwayne Robinson, he's a dickbag too. He's a douche, but he's funny and he makes me laugh. So I don't know. Wait, Dwayne the Rock Robinson? <laughs> Dwayne the Rock. Yeah, fucking no shit. Maybe. Nice. Okay. Um, really quick. Is this a Christmas movie? 
Yes or no? Okay, what do you mean really quick? What the do you credits mean really roll with Let It Snow. Come on. Does that make it a Christmas? Fuck. There's a lot of theories out there. Isn't it like a Christmas? What's the song that enters it? Is it a Christmas song that no. enters the movie too or no? I am saying it's not a Christmas movie. I'm saying... Nate, no. what makes a Christmas Nate, movie then, Nate? Hold on, hold on. Nate, I could kiss you right now. Exactly. It's not a fucking Christmas then movie. And is like Home Alone not a Christmas movie? No well, difference. It, Here's the difference. It, it, it revolves around Christmas. Home Alone revolves no, around. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, I've been, exactly. I've been challenged here. I have to lay down the gauntlet here. How? Here's how it's different. Because Home Don't Alone. They say Merry Christmas. Also, the reason why no, I paused no, no. earlier is because I knew this was going to happen. Just saying. He learns. He learns through the, the movie. Uh, Kevin McAllister learns in Home Alone. And this we can have the Home Alone conversation. We should do it, arguably do another podcast about this. But. Uh, he learns throughout that the importance of the holidays is about spending it with people you love and that he shouldn't be a little dickhead all the time because this is what happens. You're at the holidays, you're alone. This movie, nothing. They just, they're like, look, there's some decorations. Look, we played a, a song. Look, it's this. Oh, it's, it's just Christmas Eve. Yeah, it's the time. They just reference it. And the fact that anybody sits on like a fucking pedestal and says, this is a Christmas movie to me is absurd. I, I don't think it's a bad watch at Christmas. Like we're watching at Christmas. Like, oh, I get the aesthetic, but I could watch it any time of year. And it's like, oh, this is not- I mean, no, I don't want to. I disagree with that, Nate. I don't want to hear somebody yelling about, you should hear how your brother fucking squeal when I broke his fucking neck. <laughs> I don't want to be ringing in so, the fucking holidays. I can't believe Matthew would ever say that he agreed with Bruce Willis because here's a fast fact. What Willis says about this movie is that it's not a Christmas oh, movie. God. It's oh. a Bruce Willis movie. Oh, fuck. So, <laughs> I did, Eric and fuck. I didn't so say Aaron, that. you think it's a Christmas movie so because it ends Matthew with Let It Snow? loves Willis. You think it's yeah, a Christmas movie? Yeah, it ends with Let It Snow. I think it's like, it ends with Let It Snow. They're at a Christmas party. Like, to not classify it as a Christmas movie. No. Like, <laughs> That's the like, stupidest like, validation. Like, if you put it in a different setting, is it still Die Hard? Like, if it wasn't a Christmas yes. party. Yes. It could have been at a work party. Like, it, it just, be, they had to be at a work be party. Valentine's Day party. Okay. Fair, it could fair. be a fucking Valentine's Day party. It, it could still be a feels Hanukkah like a Christmas party. movie to me. They could be making some good points. Orthodox Jews. Corey, where are you on that Christmas debate? He's, I believe it is a Christmas movie. Ew. Like, and we're split. I will take your criteria for it. You say that he learns a lesson. Maybe you could sway me. Maybe I'll say it's a Christmas movie. Like, Home Alone. But I think that John McClane does learn a lesson. He learns a lesson in humility about his wife no, having some success. Oh, my God. We didn't even talk, didn't even talk about that humility. scene. The scene where he's confessing to Paul. It's like, yeah, I've been a real jerk. Been a real jerk to my yeah, wife. He has to learn humility in this moment so that he can actually, you know, be with his family. Hey, 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 hey. We don't know that he le- – we know that he learned that between him and Powell. He goes up to his wife, and she's like, I'm Mrs. McClane. He's like, oh, good. I'm off the hook. Also, we, didn't, not- we also didn't talk about this either, but how about – good for Holly following her career, taking a good job, and, like, that's except pretty good end, for 889. Except, yeah. except at the end when she literally, like, decides to throw it away because he was a dumbass hero for, like, well, a Maybe few she hours. just loved him, and she wanted, she wanted to get back together with him. Remember, she's like, she's like, I want you to stay, and that, like, he first gets there. So I miss why? you. Why? She says that. Why does she? Oh miss yeah, you? and then what is he like? Real mature, McLean. Real mature. She can do. She can do so. Oh, he talks to himself so much in this fuck. That's why it's Shakespearean. She, so many soliloquies. So many asides not, to himself. That doesn't. That doesn't mean she. No. Okay. Listen. No. No. Okay. Okay. Well, at least Nate. 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 <laughs> I just want to say, uh, we agree that this is not a fucking Christmas movie, and I hate the gotcha journalism that just happened with Corey coming in about Bruce Willis saying some shit. I would never call any movie a Bruce Willis. 
movie. I'd call it a dipshit movie mm-hmm. if it's all Bruce Willis. And this isn't that because Hans Gruber saves the day. Anyway, continue. I'll um, do you guys uh, know what time it is? You know what time it is, Matthew? The time for picks and pans. I see I kind of know the time. The time for the <laughs> time for pots and pans. <laughs> All right, Corey. Corey and Aaron, do you know what, do you know what time it is? Just ask me what time it is. is, is it, what time, what is, time it? is it? It's time for picks and pans. Oh god, I'm steezing so hard. <laughs> I'm gonna break your fucking neck. Uh, that might be my pick now, actually. Because <laughs> like fuck. you sound like you sound like. By the way, both of you, you Aaron, gotta edit that into the into the episode. Aaron, Aaron earlier, and you just now. You sound like Joe Pesci. By the way, I've been watching Home Alone too. <laughs> and then Aaron sounded like fucking uh, what's his name, Danny DeVito, when he was quoting earlier. Um, my pick. Uh, my pick, overall pick, is the fucking Johnsons. They're my picks. <laughs> the Johnsons. <laughs> the Johnsons? There's a lot of Johnsons. Wait, is that a dick reference? There's a too? lot of Johnsons in this movie. You know, there's uh, Johnson, Johnson, and then even the anchor's name was Johnson. Harvey Johnson. There's a lot of Johnsons in this film. Lots of Johnsons. Lots of big Johnsons. like that joke in uh, Blazing Saddles. <laughs> lots of big Johnsons. <laughs> Did you mean to do that, Nate? Uh, no, but whatever. A lot of big, big juicy, Johnsons. Big, juicy Johnsons. We know what you like, Nate. <laughs> he loves oh, those big, juicy Johnsons. Aaron, guys, Aaron, you heard it here first at theonlycritic.com. Editor-in-chief, he loves those big Johnsons. Aaron, Feel free to DM Aaron. anytime. Aaron, give me your fucking pick. I'm going to pick your fucking <laughs> So my pick for this movie is... I'm going to fuck you. Fucking, I'm going to cook you. <laughs> No, guys, listen, no, listen. Aaron, how did that feel when someone yelled that at you? I felt pretty good. How dare you? Made me feel alive. Anyways, my my overall pick for this movie was kind of like a general thing. It was like how they melded together comedy and this like intense action together so well just came together like a finely baked quiche. Quiche? A fucking what a reference wow. a culinary uh, Corey give me your pick last Saturday. my pick is the cinematography of Jan de Bont Jesus Christ, I thought this movie God was damn. a visual feast I thought it looked incredible I like including it. lens flares you guys are like I didn't getting, notice you guys are philosophical. the lens flares I'm not picking those out you're mentioning, you're mentioning cinematography Aaron's mentioning quiche I'm over like yeah big fucking Johnson's <laughs> well guess what Nate it's about to get dumber, so jump in. I'm in here fucking shipping Hans with every machismo guy in the goddamn movie, and that's what my pick is. Hans is a gay icon, and we should be celebrating that more. He's the anti-hero of this movie, and uh, that's my fucking pick. What's your pan? What's your pan, Matthew? My pan is John McClane in every fucking scene. <laughs> you know what my pan is? My pan is that the glass... Didn't not corporate write. greed or corporate pan. synergy you know it's just fucking <laughs> no my pan is that john mcclain uh hurt my anti-hero killed him wounded him also broke his heart simultaneously <laughs> as he was falling to his death uh john mcclain is a piece of shit and i can't believe he got so many movies anyway mic drop <laughs> Corey, pan all right my you want to go aaron i don't mind no, go, uh, go, Corey. Go ahead, Corey. Go ahead. Go, go okay, uh, my, Actually, pan my pick, my pick are... might be him shooting that kid. I'm kidding. 
<laughs> <You're right. laughs> Are you sure they would? Sorry. Like, I'm thinking about Pops. When I broke his fucking neck. <laughs> that kid, listen, no, my pick actually, I, and I want to bring this back. Just We're just ripping off that on, before, one scene. Before, because I want Corey to get his thing out, but before he does, <laughs> I do. I do. I do want to point out once again, I want this to be in the podcast, so I'm going to mention it again. His line should have been after he kills fucking Carl at the end tell little Johnny he has a new friend in hell <laughs> about the 13 year old kid that's it's my good. rewrite and it's it's being sent now it should have been say hi to your brother for me what's your no, pan uh, what's your pan Corey I'm sorry pan I, the, I digressed the bad knockoffs of this movie this film inspired a lot of pitches that were like oh die hard on a battleship die hard on a mountain under siege and cliffhanger respectively and i think there's some really bad movies that were inspired by this there were some good ones you know like die hard on a plane air force one good movie i like that but there are some terrible ones that became because i even liked um olympus has fallen i thought olympus has fallen was solid too as far as like the last 10 years that was the last pretty decent if you involve a president, they're good. If you involve, I don't know, Sylvester Stallone, oh, they're bad. I, like even even tell. to the extent um, Taken, that was a diehard ass. You can film. tell, yeah. Corey. You could. I actually love that because I love that take because you can tell that like almost within ten minutes of watching a new movie or a movie post Die Hard, now watching this movie and thinking back, that the pitch was like it's entered the lexicon it was like okay so it's die hard but under C. <laughs> like that's what these pitch meetings must be oh so i see you watched crimson tide recently okay <laughs> no I, I watched that fucking underwater bitch uh um treadway what's your pan i think my pan my pan is like more of an overall thing for the movie is my pan is i don't think it's going to age extremely well like going forward in a post 9-11 world yeah <laughs> uh, my pan is like you know what i mean like as the, as as Drink our technology 9-11 everybody like as our technology keeps advancing like everybody like of the next home, generation the is Picks and be like, podcast take a drink every time 9-11 is mentioned we've killed many we've killed more people than that cop killed that 13 year old <laughs> carl yeah i just i just think like that's going to detract from the story. They're going to be like, everybody of the younger generation is going to be like, wait, don't they have cell phones? Why are they using cell phones? They could resolve this really well, They quickly. had VHSs in the limos too, so you can't forget that. Yeah. My pan is actually going to be Richard Thornburg. And, you know, honorable mention pick for Paulina for raising those kids. Like, honestly, we got to give Paulina her due. Like, she just, you know, gets shat on the whole time. Gets threatened by NIS, INS, and you know it's just like ah. Yeah. Richard Thornburg probably oh, like yeah, campaigning yeah, for fair. Donald Trump. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, this is this has been fun. Uh, my thanks to Matthew, Corey, and Aaron for joining me on this adventure, talking about the 1988 classic Die Hard. <laughs> I I don't know what movie we're gonna do next, but um, you can always subscribe and comment and tell us and email us. Tell us what you want to hear on the Picks and Pants podcast going forward. <laughs> um, it's it's been a, it's been a lot of fun. Have a safe and happy holiday. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Uh, Kwanzaa. Whatever you celebrate, we're here for you. We love everybody for tuning in. Uh, I am Nate Adams, and as a reminder, you can get all my reviews at theonlycritic.com. Well, see you later, everybody. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bells swing and jingle bells ring. Snowing and blowing up bushels of fun. Now the jingle hop has begun. Jingle bell, jingle bell.